Hey there, all you fine folks. I'll have you know that while researching this week's topic, I had multiple sleepless nights and nightmares. So that's one for the books, and I hope not to repeat. But before we open up that chapter, how about a little introduction? I'm Dana. And I'm Megan. And together, we're sisters who love to share creepy facts and stories with each other. So we thought, what better way to do that than have a chat with each other and you, the listeners? So without further ado, here it is. Scary stories to tell your sisters. Hello, how are you doing today? Good. I feel like I'm finally getting into the groove of this recording thing. It's Sunday. We release on Sunday. We tend to record on Sunday. So Sunday fun day all around here. How are you doing? I'm doing good. It's been a busy couple of weeks. We had a hurricane. Yeah. We had a concert we went to. Thankfully, with the hurricane, we didn't really have any damage. Two trees did fall, but thankfully not on any property. Yeah, I know a lot of people have lost homes, lives, and whatnot, and hurricanes are nev- never fun, regardless of what happens. Regardless- I mean, we grew up in Florida, so we know hurricanes happen every year, and you never can tell how it's going to be until it's done. It's so, so true. I'm it's glad so true. all are safe, and I hope that everyone who was affected by it are getting the help they need in this time. Yeah. And- how was the concert? I'm very jealous. Yes. So I went to see Florence and the Machine. It oh. was amazing. It was so – it was better than I expected it would be. Like, I knew I would have fun regardless. Yeah. But it was just – it's so nice to just be there with, like, this collective energy and enjoying music that you know everybody there loves and oh, yeah. it was it was a lot of fun all around I love that she was like barefoot the whole time just jumping around full of energy she has such a vibe she is like the Persephone of my mind so I love it yeah I love her yeah she had I, I love oh actually it's amazing to me that she's able to jump and move and do all of these things and still her voice is magnificent. Uh, I can barely get through a recording without my voice slowly getting into like vocal fry. Right? Um, and like stumbling over my words. So I get that. I know. Well, I one thing that did stuff. happen while I was there, though, I wanted to tell you about. Yeah. I, after the show, I had to pee really bad and I knew we had to like walk to the car or whatever. So I'm like, let me just go before we head back out and go for the long drive home. So I head to the bathroom. There's a line. I'm waiting. Finally, one opens up and I go into the stall, go really quick. As I'm pulling up my pants, (laughs) the door opens. Absolutely not. And I'm like, oh, somebody's in here. And in walks this woman. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize anybody was in here. (laughs) Shuts the door, locks it, and was like, well, to save myself from embarrassment, she just takes her purse, hangs it up, and then proceeds to just like... stayed? She stayed in the bathroom, Dana. As I am finishing pulling up my pants, just kind of giggling in... I think I was just nervous and embarrassed and like, what is happening right now? And I just went over to the sink in the back, in the stall still, washing my hands as she's preparing to use the loo. It was such a strange experience, Dana. And especially for you, you are such, for lack of a better word, a prude. Yeah. Like, I don't think you even pee with like me in the bathroom without like humming a song or something like that. So... (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it was so strange. And so and after I leave the bathroom, leave the stall, some of the girls are just looking at me like, what just happened? But it was like, I felt like saying, I don't know what just happened. Oh, no. But <laughs> it was it was very odd. But besides and I feel like that, it wasn't you who walked in. So I feel like they understood that you were in there first, you know? Yeah, I am glad you had a great time. I'm glad the experience was hysterical and not, you know, yeah. weird it was weird but like it wasn't 
no tears, nothing like that. I'm bummed because I was supposed to see her too at the same time. But we ended up flying to Texas for Abby's brother's graduation from the Air Force Academy. So very different vibes. Still fun time. But now we're back. We're settled and recording. And fall has fallen. The windows are open here. Not right now because we're recording. And I'm by a railroad track. So it comes whenever it wants to come, the train. So I'm not going to have any screeching metal for us today. Only the screeching of my heart as I tell you a scary story. Perfect. Um, And I'm ready for your scary story. Perfect. All right, let's get started then. I'm just going to jump right in. Sounds good. Ghost stories have been around and been told for centuries, years. The oldest impression of a ghost story, or not a ghost story, the oldest impression of a ghost being led to the afterlife is said to be that of a 3,500-year-old clay tablet. Whoa. The image of a ghost can only be seen in this specific tablet can only be seen when you look at it from above. Oh, that's so cool. Isn't it cool? And you have to use a light to actually see it. And where's this tablet? Where's this tablet from? Do you know? I do. This tablet is from, well, I'll tell you in a little bit because I don't, I don't have it pulled up and I didn't save it, but I'll look it up. Send it to me. I will. But I thought that was pretty creative. That is um, pretty. Yeah. And it's, it was basically like an instruction manual to show people how to get rid of ghosts. <laughs> you know, as one needs to do. I mean, honestly. I mean, they have instruction <laughs> manuals for everything. Why not one for how to get rid of ghosts, right? Babylonian. Babylonian. Oh, you found it? Yeah. Okay. And when you hear about spirits today... That's usually what someone's trying to do. They're trying to get rid of them. But most of the time, they're a bit of a nuisance or are scary. And they're just, like, disrupting the the person's life completely. But sometimes after someone dies, it seems some return to the earthly plane, not just to play tricks on the living. They seem to appear just in the nick of time, during or after a traumatic event. Ooh. Here are a few stories of people whose lives were miraculously saved by the other side. Forget saved by the bell, saved by the dead. So true. (laughs) So this is the story of Jane Reynolds. It's December 25th at 4 a.m. And Jane is in her last few hours of sleep before beginning the Christmas festivities. When out of nowhere, she feels her blanket yanked off her body, and then someone began to urgently shake her awake. So not only are the blankets ripped off of her, but she's, like, shaking herself? Yes! No, thank you. Yeah. As she comes to, she sees no one. But she (laughs) begins to hear screams and bangs coming from another part of the house. Okay, less laughter. (laughs) Right? She has two children. So her first thought is, oh, my God, let me check on the kids. Absolutely. Yeah. So she runs to her boys and makes sure nobody's in there harming them. As she steps into the boys' room, she notices her son, Ethan, peacefully sleeping and then glances over to her 18-month-old. And she sees that he is quietly choking. (gasps) She rushes to him and flips him over so fast to hit his back and to save him. And thank goodness she does. Since the boys were silent in the room, who was it that woke her? And who was it that she heard scream and make all those banging sounds in the house? She found out later that the family that lived there before, 50 years before, they had left the home and sold the home after their child had passed away. (gasps) Reynolds thinks that it may have been the help from the other side. In particular, the child who passed before in that very home. That makes my heart so sad. I know. But, I mean. He saved them. Right. And I just, I wonder, you know, people might say, well, maybe the screaming she heard was the the kid choking or whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't know. But she said he was silently choking. And then who was banging who was ripping the sheets off of her? Who was shaking That's her? It's like, there's only so much you can be like, oh, must have been this, must have been that. So you can't explain everything away. And especially, yeah, the shaking, no. Right. So that one really got me. There's a lot to think about with that story. 
The next one is the story of Kayla. And for Kayla, she was on her way home in the cold, cold winter. It's almost dark. She's speeding down the interstate, trying to make it to her parents' home as soon as possible. She was feeling extremely sleepy and knew the signs of her narcolepsy since she'd experienced them many times before. She felt pretty confident she could make it home in time until she saw a sea of stopped cars ahead of her. Knowing now that she was in trouble, she slowed down, wondering what this traffic was due to and how long it would take for it to clear. She knew she needed to get off the interstate, but didn't want to pull over to the side because she was afraid since there was so much traffic and she didn't know what was going on. So sleep now is slowly creeping in, but in the next few moments, she began to see something totally unexpected, especially on the interstate. She began to see what looked like soldiers (gasps) dressed in dirty blue uniforms, some without shoes as they crossed the road ahead of her. Now her senses were no longer dulled. She was wide-eyed and watching (laughs) as these men crossed the icy grass that lay in the median and passed the cars in front. But there was something about them that was familiar because she had seen a spirit before. Oh. In fact, the spirit of a little girl lived in her parents' attic. No, thank you. And she was very much aware of the sheerness of a spirit body. She could see right through them. And nobody around her seemed to even notice them. The men crossed the road as the cars ahead slowly crept forward. Finally, she was able to see the stoppage was coming from construction. And within minutes, she was driving past. She made her way to her parents' house without incident. And when she got there, she was greeted outside by the little spirit girl who lived in her attic. But Kayla didn't want to interact at this moment. She was already emotionally overwhelmed by what she just experienced. Yeah, I mean, she almost, like, she was ready to fall through with the wheel, and then she sees, like, barefoot soldier boys. Right. <laughs> so, set to ignore this little girl and go inside, Kayla walks right past her. But she doesn't get very far before the little girl smiles at her and says, yep. quote, she says, quote, I knew my daddy would get you home safely. (gasps) Kayla, now stunned, turns towards her. And the little girl then turns to look at Kayla's car and says, I told him I wanted to play with you, but you were too tired and wouldn't make it home tonight. He said he would let you get here. He would help you get here alive. Absolutely not. Also, (laughs) who is her father? I I guess one of the soldiers. That's what I'm assuming. I'm assuming it had to have been one of the soldiers. Right? Maybe. Oh, I don't know. I don't know either, but she, I mean, this woman had narcolepsy or has narcolepsy. And I know with narcolepsy, they do... You can have hallucinations, but I feel like in this instant, she was about to fall asleep. And then yeah. this, she said, like, woke her up. She For was... me, I feel like maybe her father, maybe the little girl's father, which is what you're saying for me to say, maybe her father was, <laughs> like, did something for, like, the traffic aspect. Mm. They the cars down, and then maybe he, like... You know what? Maybe he is hiding with the soldiers, though, because those those were seen, too. But I feel like, I don't know, because I I can't. I can't. I can't. I don't want anyone's. My daddy made you get here safe. Who was your daddy? I think he's one of the soldiers, Dane. I think he's a nice guy. Oh, oh, you and I, different. (laughs) Different (laughs) He's, He's a good guy. Okay. All right, so the final story that I have for you is the story of Christine Scoobish and her son, Nick. This one I think you may have heard about from Unsolved Mysteries, but if you don't remember, 
Here we go. (laughs) It's Sunday, June 5th, 1994 in Placerville, California. And mother Christine Skubish and her young son, Nick, three years old at the time, are leaving her mother and stepfather's house. They're heading to Carson City, Nevada, where she's starting a new job as a paralegal. She was set to stay at a friend's house the next day and let her parents know she'd call them within a few days. Sad to see her go, but also so happy for her, they said their goodbyes. Christine and Nick hopped into her red car and headed onto the road. It's now Wednesday, June 8th, three days after Christine left. And her parents get a call from one of her friends, wondering where Christine was. Oh, absolutely. No, no. She was supposed to arrive at her house Monday. Her parents are now extremely concerned, so they call the police department because they want to report her missing. The police department at the time says they get these types of calls very often, and it's probably nothing to worry about. It hasn't been that long. She'll probably show up soon. Now, for me personally, it has been that long because not only is she missing, but she's with a child who's missing. A child who's missing. I know this was, I don't know what you said, what year it was, and I completely blanked 94. On it. So, I mean, there obviously wasn't, there, there were cell phones. They weren't as um, true every day. So, it's not like she can call, like, oh, we took a detour or whatever like that. But if I'm not talking to you. And I say, if I'm supposed to be somewhere and I'm not there and I didn't tell anyone, you need to call. And also, I feel, and I've talked about this before with some friends and maybe to you too, I feel like I know it costs time and money to look for someone, but I don't think it would be viewed as a waste of time and resource money to look for someone. Worst case scenario, they're found. Maybe if it's something like untoward or whatever like a waste of the time you pay a fine or something for like you help pay the money but i mean if someone's missing and they're and they're in distress look for them immediately you know i'd rather it be a false alarm yeah than a delay in time yeah and her parents they are not going to stop looking just because the police are not yet involved so they take the initiative to call the hospitals in hopes to find their missing family but to no avail nobody matches christine and nick's description and by thursday her parents are distributing flyers all over town it's now friday june 10th graveyard shift parole officer rich strasser is going to gas stations along the route christine had been on travel traveling to see if anybody has seen her along the way. And sure enough, one of the gas station attendants in Placerville recalls seeing her and her son. This was a huge lead. They know where she was last seen now, but don't know what happened after that. Okay. Saturday rolls around and Deborah Hoyt, no relationship with Christine or her family. Weird. Doesn't know them. Is with her husband. (laughs) She's visiting family in Sacramento. This is about 39 miles from Placerville where Christine's family lives. And she wakes up at 2 a.m. with this intense urge to go home. She does not like to drive through the mountains at night, but this urge is so strong. She wakes up her husband and pleads with him to head home. Her husband is at first confused and is like, just go back to sleep. We'll head home in the morning. Yeah. But she is persisting. She needed to go home at that very moment. So they packed up in the middle of the night or early morning and hope and hopped into the car driving the precarious track through the mountains on highway 50. And Deborah's in the passenger seat now looking out the window. She's looking out the window through all the twists and turns when they go around a bend in the road. She's shocked to see the pale, naked body of a woman lying on the side of the road. She said even though she could see the woman clearly, she could not see the woman's shadow. Oh, no. 
She immediately tells her husband what she sees, and he attempts to go back to help. But Deborah's like, uh, no, 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 no. We do not know if this is some sort of setup. I don't yeah. know if somebody is trying to, like, lure people in or, you know, hiding behind the trees and trying to rob them, hurt yeah, them. Exactly. Like, is it a trap? Exactly. So she says, why don't we instead stop at the ranger station that's a little up the road and use the phone there to call the police? That's smart. So the husband agrees. They drive a little ways up and make the call. They waited there in the car for the police to arrive. And once they did arrive, she told the officer exactly what she'd seen and even took him to the location where the woman was laying on the side of the road. But when they arrived, there was no one to be seen. Deborah now thinks the police probably aren't going to take her seriously, (laughs) but knows with absolute certainty what she'd seen. She and her husband set back on the road and finally make it home just to go back to sleep. Or at least try to. But Deborah is not able to fall back asleep because every time she closes her eyes, she sees this woman. All she can do is cry. Mm. After all of that, I mean, that's upsetting enough, right? Yeah, but it's like, it's like you don't know. It's like, did I see someone like, were, were they dying and I couldn't help them? Where were they? What did I see? Even if it's like, I don't know, even if I just saw something like that and it turned out to be like something fake, it would still sit with me in in an uncomfortable way yeah it's upsetting yeah so she tries to sleep but cannot later that evening officer richard strasser meets up with the officers that had been the ones to speak with deborah hoyt they chatted a little kind of bumped ideas off of each other wondering if maybe it was a prank someone was pulling on passerbys or maybe she just thought she saw something but she really didn't I was thinking of the prank, and I was like, when we were younger, there was like this prank aspect that you would take a rope, uh, you would you would stand on each side of the road, and like you and the other person, when a car came by, would pull at an invisible string, so the car would like stop, be like oh my gosh, and run, run into something, a string, the beginning air. But I'm like that, even that's an annoying prank, right? I think right. playing with bodies is not the kind of prank we want to be doing right i mean and the woman was naked that's one hell of a big that's, prank. that's commitment <laughs> and that's a commitment to the game that i don't have right it's like let's just take it a step further right it's like no thank you okay so now it's 3 a.m and christine's aunt wakes up from a deep sleep this is christine's aunt now this is the girl this is the girl who's missing no, this is Chris. This the girl who's missing her aunt. Yes, she wakes up from a deep sleep. She dreamt. This is also the same day as Deborah Hoyt's incident. And this is at three a.m. You said three a.m. Mm-hmm. She dreamt she was sitting in the back seat of Christine's car. She was seeing the number sixteen again and again, and mm-hmm. she could also see lights nearby. This felt so real to her. She called her brother-in-law, Christine's father, and told him everything. The feeling for her was so intense, she couldn't even stay home. She had to help search for her niece. And so she and her husband set out to (laughs) to try and look for their niece at that moment. So they drive all night to Placerville and arrive to speak with the officer, Officer Strasser. They told Officer Strasser that they'd like to help search for her. And he kindly encouraged them to first go get some rest and start fresh in a few hours. Absolutely not. Well, I mean, I, I kind of I, understand. If you, that. if you were missing and I had a weird ass dream that was like, I was. That's in your true. Car, That's true. Like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't sleep. I have to look. Like yeah. you know, like I have. You when you have that feeling, I think I've only had it maybe like a handful of times that like you have to do something. And it's like, impo- like something that you wouldn't normally do, but like your gut is telling you do this. Yeah, you do it. You have, you have to listen to it. Oh, absolutely. Listen to your gut always. At this point, Officer Strasser is putting all of the clues together that he's compiled within the last few days. And honestly, the last few hours. And is wondering if this naked woman Deborah saw 
could possibly be related to the disappearance of Christine Skubish. By now, the sun is coming up, and Officer Strasser decides to head towards the area where the woman had been seen. He, he's going to search himself to see if there's anything at all that, that's just not the norm for that area. Yeah. So he gets to the bend in the road and parks to look around. And as he's searching, he finds a teeny shoe on the side of the road. No. In the very spot, Deborah had seen the naked woman. He goes closer and peeks through the trees and down this ravine. He's shocked to see a red car down below. Debris leads all the way down to the red car whose roof has been peeled back and off the vehicle. He's able to make his way down the steep drop-off through the trees and debris. When he reaches the car, he sees Christine still strapped in her seatbelt, and he realized Christine has already passed. He then notices Nick is also in the car and goes over to the child to check his vitals. He's then pretty sure he too has passed until he sees a little movement in his chest. (gasps) Not sure if he's actually seeing things properly. He takes a closer look and notices he is breathing, albeit rather shallow breaths, but Nick is alive. Nick's grandparents go to the hospital to be with him. And although they're devastated by the loss of Christine, they are so grateful to be reunited with their grandson. Yeah. That's a miracle in itself. Yeah. Later, they go to retrieve whatever was left at the crash site, and when her stepfather steps out of the car, he sees a mile marker on the side of the road. What was the number? Mile marker number 16. Shut the front door. The number his sister-in-law repeatedly had seen in her dream of the crash. I mean, come on. What are the odds? Yeah. So now we go back to Deborah, the one who does not know the family. Okay. So, yeah. Not knowing this family at all, she's at home watching the news when the story of Christine and Nick come on. She's looking at the face of the woman she'd seen the night before on the side of the road no but how could this be christine's been dead for had been dead now for five days before and Deborah. She was, and you said she was buckled in yep she'd been and five days dana before deborah saw her oh and as the coroner would later report christine had actually died on impact also she was fully dressed when she was found I was thinking maybe she crawled up or something and was like, help. Right. But if she's fully clothed and strapped in. And died on impact. And then especially died on impact. (laughs) I am not laughing at her death. No. Laughing at the fact that it's not even laughing. It's (laughs) shock. Shock. Yeah, that's so strange. Years later, Nick is interviewed and he says he remembers the accident. He remembers hitting trees tree after tree after tree and the car tumbling down the embankment and then nothing until he wakes up and he sees his mom who he thought was sleeping next to him. Oh, sweet angel. I know he could see he, but he said he could see like this light right next to her and this light, he said, stayed there the whole time. And then he said he saw another light up by the side of the road. And this one had a silhouette of a human figure. Absolutely not. Sorry, that's, less, that's less peaceful and more scary. I don't know why. <laughs> so what happened during those five days after the crash? What did Deborah see on the side of the road? Also, it should be noted, there were actually multiple sightings of a naked woman lying on the side of the road that night. Also, he said he saw lights. Right. Didn't one of the women see lights in her dream? Yep. Weird. Nick's aunt. Aunt? I yes, think I think she saw the lights in the number yeah. 16. Yeah, Nick's aunt saw that. And what was it that Nick saw beside the car and above near the road? And I, feel, I, like, it, I feel like it was his mom like lingering on to be like, save him. He's still, he's still there, you know? Yeah. 
I mean, that is just amazing. Either his mom or another spirit that was there, you know, that was like, there's still hope. Right. Also, I don't think, I don't know if you know this or not, but our cousin, going back to your other thing about the baby. Yeah. Our cousin, Melanie, when her oldest was little, when she was a baby, she was woken up in a deep sleep, she's woke from a deep sleep by someone saying, check the baby, check the baby, like, check the baby constantly. And finally, she was like, oh, my God, fine. I will check the baby. And it turned out that the baby had a pushpin in its mouth. Oh, my God. She's, like, chewing on it. Like, mm, this is fine. Yeah. Oh, my God. That is terrifying. So, there's yeah. another for the books that is just amazing yeah and i will say when it comes to i just want to mention this in nick's case he did actually go up to the side of the road a few times he said and i'll try to get help yeah i think so but then he would go back down but i do not think (laughs) anybody would mistake in a little baby boy as a naked woman yeah, That's and totally the different. thing is, the thing is, like you said too, it wasn't just the one lady. You said there's apparently multiple sightings of naked women. Yeah, and I feel like collective thought, you're not all gonna see a naked woman. Right, right. Yeah. So like, no, no. Yeah, that is right. Oh, and do you recall a couple years ago? This, like, wasn't that long ago. It really was just a few years ago. Um, <laughs> somebody, there was a story of someone calling in about, a, like, a, sur- a submerged vehicle in an icy river. Yes. And then four rescuers arrived, and they could actually hear someone yelling, help, save us, help, save us. And so they, w- they were saying back to the person, you know, we're coming, we're trying our best. The water was so cold Later on, they found out that the people that were in the car was it was a mother and her baby and the mother had already passed away. And the voice they heard was not a baby and could Mm -hmm. not have been the infant in the car because the infant was unconscious. No. And it was an infant. It wouldn't be saying help us. Yeah. No. Help us. Like, yeah, I wouldn't be wouldn't be clearly talking, you know? Yeah. And you could find the their interview online, like for any of those people that want to see it you can just yeah, look up and like all of them agree like yep yeah, we all heard it yeah so strange but yeah those are my stories for the week dana i am those are good <laughs> i'm excited to hear what you have to tell me okay so like i was saying fall has fallen everything's kind of like comfort and chilling and for me fall is like sleepy hollow Practical Magic, and then a lot of like the, the Mike Flanagan shows, like Hill House, Bly Manor, and now like Midnight Club. Yes. So maybe, maybe it's kind of been on my mind this week because a lot of these, if they're not the comfy ones, they're stories of tragedies. A lot of times, the tragedies that befall women that linger long after death when they roam around calling, crying, weeping, or wailing long Ooh. after their physical bodies are gone. Do you have a guess, Megan? I don't know, Dana. This week, I am dealing with... Hold on. Hello, sweet baby. My dog just came home. (laughs) (laughs) This week, I am dealing with the folklore, legend, and all-around terrifying ghost or demonic entity that is La Llorona, or the Wailing Woman. And before I go any further, this topic deals with a lot of death, children, murder, and abuse, so... Listener discretion is advised. So, La Llorona is often depicted as a beautiful yet heart-shattered woman walking up and down the banks of bodies of water like the Santa Fe, wailing over her children who have been lost to the river. Since she is so unconsolable, she weeps and wails, waiting for anyone, and many say, mainly children, to come to her that she can offer them to the water like some sort of penance. Now, the origin of this story is hard to pin down as she is a figure in a lot of Hispanic and South American folklore. 
In fact, some people think that her origins go back even further, being tied to the Aztecs. There's a quote attributed to it from the 1500s that says, The people heard a weeping woman night after night. She passed by the middle of the night, wailing and crying in a loud voice, My children, we must flee far away from the city. And other times she cried, My children, where shall I take you? And this quote is about a bad omen that occurred in the area that is now known as Mexico City in 1509. And there are mixed translations that call her a bad omen, a demon, or even a goddess. But throughout it all, she's associated with children, even carrying a crib or a cradle with her in some descriptions. Dang. I mean, I just picture someone looking a modern day crib around and it's both frightening and funny. Yeah. But it settles more in the terrifying camp with the next description. It says, and I quote, she goes to the market among the other women and disappearing, she would leave behind the crib. Oh. They would go and look what was inside and there'd be a flint like iron, a rough kind of iron, which they would kill those to be sacrificed. By this, they understood that it was Chiyokotai who had left it there. And Chiyokotai was a goddess among Aztecs. Okay. So this kind of goes to show how far reaching the lore and legend of this aspect of like a weeping woman in white kind of would go and how influences from over 500 years ago are still woven into the fabric of today. Mm -hmm. There's a paper I looked up called La Llorona in Juvenile Hall by Bess Lomax Hall. And it it was published in the 1960s. And in it, she provided transcripts of conversations with young children talking about La Llorona because a lot of the times she is a figure that is like told to children about things and here's some of the things the children had to say about her La Llorona has long hair and walks around crying I heard from the counselors at Juvie that she had two kids that she drowned because they were bad she drowned them in the Tijuana she attacks bad kids in Juvie they say it's true and another adds more gruesome details they say is a woman who wasn't quite all there who killed her three girls aged 13 to 17 she didn't want them because something had happened to her husband and they reminded her of him so she drowned them their bones are buried in her back she doesn't know they're dead she wears a long black cape with a peaked hood and goes around institutions and foster homes looking for her kids wait if- mm-hmm. did you say that her their bones are buried in her back Apparently, which I do not like the imagery of that one. Uh, no. So in, this, in this version, if she sees a girl who looks like one of her kids, she tries to cut out the feature that looks like them. Oh, hell no. And her tie to water in this one is she comes around three days after it rains. Oh, my God, lady. Stay away from my face. Right? I was like, whoa, I, I look like my mom, not you. <laughs> So the more modern takes of her origin are kind of like that she was a woman. A lot of the times her name is Maria in these retellings and that she was a woman who fell in love with a rich man. She had his children. And then when she was no longer attractive in his eyes, he left her for someone else. And when our lady Maria finds out, she wakes her children in the middle of the night and says she's taking them to the river for a bath. But she drowns her children in a fit of rage and sadness, only to regret it the moment soon afterwards, and then kills herself. Only to find out that she can find no peace in heaven or the afterlife until she finds her children's souls. So she's back to earth and the riversides, looking aimlessly for the children she lost, desperate to replace them. There are also tales of her being a vengeful spirit or demon, who stalks boys, I'm sorry, who stalks bodies of water. <laughs> like So there are also tales of her being a vengeful spirit or demon who stalks bodies of waters like canals and riverbeds to find men who have been unfaithful and kill them, or even men and boys in general to drink their blood. This leads to more aspect of the stigma and like the certain like sexualizations of certain cultures and their warnings. Like, don't be unfaithful, don't be promiscuous, don't mm. that, and how you can kind of see um, how that could be tied into the lore. Yeah. But like I said, a lot of this was, like, oral history, passed down 
between families and cultures. So even between families, a lot of the origin and the aspect of what she does differs. Okay. And there's even uh, La Llorona Park near Santa Fe River in New Mexico. And part of me is like, that'd be kind of fun to visit because it's near the Santa Fe River. Yeah. So, but I'm afraid that I'll be alone and then I'll see her. At night. At night, right? I watched a video about someone going there at night and I was like, they were fine. They didn't see anything, but I was like, "Mm." I don't think I'm as brave as you are. Um, You what? I don't think I'm as brave as they are. Oh. So I was sleuthing for some sites for more modern stories because a lot of, when I was researching, a lot of it was like the same tale over and over again about like where her origins are and how... Uh, like like many urban legends, this beginning of it stems from the fear that adults choose to infer- instill in children. Like right. the quintessential boogeyman to keep you in line. Right. Like my fear of the monster coming to my window from the woods, this was the Hispanic and Latino version of that. Like don't yeah. walk off towards water, don't follow a stranger because who knows what will befall you. Yeah. So, here are a couple stories that I found – over time. So the first one I found was published by Thomas Alibon Juanover. Oh, I am Spanish and I am I'm Puerto Rican and I'm failing right now. So here we go. Tina, we were never taught. <laughs> we were never taught Spanish properly. This is in 1906. It was first published in Harper's Magazine and was reprinted in many newspapers, including the Washington, D.C. Evening Star. So he says, many bad things are met with by night in the streets of the city. But this wailing woman, La Llorona, is the worst of them all. La Llorona is as harmful as she can be. Seeing her walking quietly along the quiet street at times when she is not running and shrieking for her lost children, she seems a respectable person, only odd-looking because of her white petticoat and, her, and white reboso, which I looked it up. It's a long, flat garment like a shawl which is often worn by Mexican women. Um, so she covers her head with that. And anybody might speak to her, but whoever does speak to her in that very same moment dies. Oh. The beginning of her was so long ago, and no one knows where the where it was, nor does anyone know about her at all. But it is known for certainty when she was a living woman, she committed bad sins, which kind of goes again into the sinfulness of women in cultures type mm-hmm. thing. Um, it says, she began to go through the streets in the darkness, weeping and wailing. And presently it was said that from night till morning, there was a wailing woman in the streets. And to see her, being in terror of her, many people went forth at midnight. But none did see her because she would only be seen when the street was deserted and she was alone. Sometimes she would come to a sleeping watchman and would wake him by asking, what time is it? And he would see a woman clad in white standing beside him in her reboso drawn over her face. And he would answer, it is 12 hours of the night. And she would say, at 12 hours of the day, I must be in Guadalajara or I must be in San Luis Oposto. So she'd be saying, like, where will I find my children? I'm not where I'm supposed to be. I'm not there. And then she would vanish instantly and utterly away. And the watchman would feel as though all of his senses had gone from him and he'd become as a dead man. This happened many times to many watchmen who made report of it to their officers, but the officers would not believe what they were told. <laughs> He's like, no, you didn't see like a lady and wife just disappeared. And then this one says, on a night, an officer on watch was passing by the lonely street besides the church of Santa Anita. And there he met a woman with wearing a white reboso and a white petticoat. And to her, he began to make love. He urged her, saying, throw off your reboso, that I might see your pretty face. And suddenly she uncovered her face, and what he beheld was a bear grinning skull set fast to bare bones of a skeleton. Oh, my God. Being in horror, there came from her fleshless jaws an icy breath, and the iciness of it froze the very heart's blood in him, and he fell to the earth heavily in a deathly swoon. When he his did senses... not even see this woman's face, and he was like, "Yeah, let's get it on, get it on." By the church at night, when I would be doing watchman duty, and he's like, "Oh, let me see your face now," and she's like, "Oh yeah, I want to see it." <laughs> Surprise, death. My God, no. So yeah, so that was one of the things. It was like this is an example, like what I said, 
was widely published back in the days, it seems to dwell more on the fantastical aspect of it all. While still terrifying, it seems to show how, in this case, an apparition or a race will be seen and attack anyone of any age. And let me tell you, if I saw a skull face, I'd simply be like, nope, you continue on, my mistake. No, 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 no. no, no. I walk away. I also wouldn't be like, hi, lift up your shawl, let me see your face to anyone at night. But that's me. No. I mean, yeah, that just, I'm just wondering how, who started this conversation? Like, I want to know how this began. Right. The guy did it so quickly. He's like, oh, and then one watchman made love to her. Right. I'm sorry. He did what now? How? Who? Right. You're supposed to be watching the town or whatever it is that you're watching. And you're like, nah, I'm just going to do the nasty with this faceless woman. (laughs) Do the nasty. Well, childhood term really, really sticking with us here. But I mean, in this case, yeah, I would say having sex with a ghostly skeleton thing would be doing the nasty. <laughs> so that was 1906. Not so modern, but 2020, 2021 is a wee bit closer to home. And let me tell you, I'm really happy that I read this after my trip to Texas because there have been numerous reports of people seeing this a figure between Mines Road and Father Charles McNabb Park in the city of Laredo, Texas. Those who have seen this apparition described it as being a female wearing a long white dress with flowing dark hair. One witness describes it saying she was quietly walking with composure, with with looks as if she was very sad and upset about something. Mm. And then another man said he did not see the ghost, but he only realized that he had caught it on his camera that was set up on his car, he exclaimed. So I was driving. I hadn't noticed anything until I looked what my camera had captured after I reviewed the video. And that's when he saw a glowing white apparition standing in front of his vehicle. Oh, my God. And I'll send you – make sure to send you the, the, the picture. It's, like, super pixelated and grainy beyond belief, but – I don't care. I don't want to still want to see it. Yeah. And then I found an article that kind of collected some firsthand reports of seeing La Llorona. And I'm going to share a bit here because these one seems a bit more re- recent and just a little bit more in depth to the point where I can mentally place myself in the scenario. And mm-hmm. I hate So <clears throat> this one is from a girl in Texas. She says, my mom lived in the same house in Santa Fe for almost 50 years. When she was about 12 or so, she and her cousin were sitting in her bedroom. Note, this bedroom was later to be mine. At night, in the middle of winter, it had been snowing. At one point, they heard a noise outside the window. When they looked, there was a woman standing there, dressed in all white, crying. My mom and her cousin were obviously a little freaked out, and they ran out of the room to tell her mom. Her parents went outside to investigate, but found no footprints in the freshly fallen snow. They came back to tell them what they had found, or rather, what they didn't find. That scared my mom even more, and she was afraid to go back in her room. When I was about 11, I was sitting in my bedroom, which is the same in the same house, and it was her mother's bedroom. So so she's in the room at night alone in the middle of winter, and it had begun snowing. Good grief. Did you hear my dog? I did. I I heard a noise outside my window. I'm afraid of the dark. Same girl, same. So I didn't check out to see what it was. I just left my room and did something else for a while. (laughs) Told my mom. she She told me the story. She said it was La Llorona outside the window both of those nights. Oh, my God. Do you remember? I don't remember if it was our childhood friends, Amanda or Rachel, or it was their parents. Somebody in the family one night heard crying outside, like, the window. (laughs) Do you remember that? I think it was Amanda's window. Amanda's window? And they heard crying. Yeah. Hate it. I know. I don't like that. I do not want to hear crying outside my window. I don't, yeah. I don't, I mean, I care. Thankfully, if I'm sad. Four, so 
maybe not thankfully but if i heard crying, wait what open, oh I you're was... on the fifth floor if you were on the fifth floor and you heard crying i would think i would be more terrified because <laughs> what the <sighs> yeah so this next one is another one too and it says so once again this person is 12 so 11 and 12 same ages when I was 12, is in 1991, my parents separated and my mother moved me and my brother to Monterey, Mexico. In the winter, all three of us would sleep in the same room because there was no central heating, only electric heaters. There were two beds for my mother and brother and I slept on the floor in a sleeping bag next to my mother's bed. One night around 2.30 in the morning, I woke because I had been dreaming about my great-grandma. She kept calling my name three times to be exact just a few minutes later i heard the scariest screams coming from down the street it was horrible the cries continued each time coming closer i was so horrified that i could not even wake my mother who was laying right next to me i was so scared i didn't even blink it was the most evil cry i had ever heard finally it passed my house and slowly faded away. The next day, I told my mother, you know, I didn't believe in stuff like this, especially not La Llorona. After that night, I do. Mm-hmm. So, and then looking further into it on Reddit a little bit, I found one in the subreddit Paranormal about one man who recounts sitting up with his son, his infant son, when he starts hearing a strange noise. He says, I can hear someone Someone crying, weeping and moaning, like a woman give, grieving somebody close to her who has just passed. I jolt, and I spin around fast, and that's when I see her. She's tall, dressed in old black, and she just, like she just came from a funeral. She is real. So this one was kind of interesting because a lot of the times she's been the woman in white. Yeah. But she's in all black. So I wonder if it was something else he saw. Right. And in 2015... Some paranormal research. I'm sorry. In 2015, paranormal research investigations obtained an audio of a recorded conversation between an Anthony, Texas police officer with dispatch, reporting a strange encounter with what sounded like La Llorona. The officer is heard saying, There is a female, seems to be covered in blood, carrying a newborn, walking back and forth. She's also, ma'am, just for information, she's also wearing a long white dress. Mm. I said no. Mm-hmm. And then the most recent one I found was from, I'm not, I'm sorry. So, and then I found one that was posted in 2020 on a Reddit. And it says, this is from user... D gender dog 85 so it says this happened to me when i was about 11 years old in the 90s in el paso texas one night just like any other night i lived in my trailer with my mom and dad my youngest brother was staying with my aunt this night i fell asleep watching jay leno as usual and when i woke up i was on the sofa in my living room the time was 4 a.m which illuminated it from the stove in the kitchen the television was off, and normally I had a light on, but this time it was pitch black. I woke up, and I heard a horrible screaming that was coming far off in the distance. The screaming was coming from a ditch that was a few feet away from my house. I heard it, and I thought I was hearing things. I thought, am I dreaming? And then I started to hear the animals outside howling and whimpering. Ooh. These animals that I speak of are cats and dogs. As the screaming got closer... The animals continued to cry. The screaming was like something I had never experienced before. It sounded like I was in a big hallway, and the woman was screaming her guts out down the hallway. Then, in all the screaming, I started to make out the words. So, these words being said by whoever it was at 4 a.m., screaming their guts out, shocked me. She said, I'm hijos, or, oh, my children. In a quick panic, I got up from the sofa and ran to the kitchen that was right next to where I was asleep. I turned the closet light on and looked around. The screaming didn't stop. In fact, it only got louder and closer. Ooh. I questioned my sanity at that moment. Was I going crazy or hearing things? Then I thought to myself, this is real. 
the animals are responding to it in a negative way. So I did what any other 11-year-old boy would do the moment. I ran to my mom and dad's room. I reached for my mom and shook her awake wildly. She woke up slowly, and to my amazement, the screaming faded away as soon as she woke up. I thought to myself, what the heck is going on? I told my mom, do you hear that screaming and crying lady? She said, go back to sleep. It is mostly just your imagination. And the mom kept saying, go back to sleep. Oh, my God. I was terrified as we returned to the living room. I turned on the TV and left all the lights on as well. I didn't mm. go back to sleep until the lights came up, sun, until the sun came up. I couldn't believe what I had heard or witnessed. I was treated like a crazy person whenever I told my story. It got so bad that I kept my experience to myself. Aww. A couple of years later, it happened to me again. Oh, no. An incident occurred with my aunt about a year after my encounter. According to my aunt, they were sleeping and suddenly there was a horrible sound coming from the ditch looking in front of their house. What is up with the ditches? There was a street between the ditch and the house, but her house and the ditch are really close to one another. It was about 2.30 in the morning when my aunt was wakened by a screaming woman coming from the ditch. She figured maybe someone was being hurt or attacked. So she walked out the front yard looking towards the ditch and saw there was no woman. Wow. My cousin she's... walked out in front as well and asked what was happening. My aunt, of course, had no idea as the screaming grew closer. Then they saw her, a woman in a white dress. The only thing that shook them to the bone was the woman had no feet and was clearly floating. One other feature that threw them off was the woman had no face. They both just turned after seeing that and ran inside their house. My aunt locked the door and called the police. The police showed up minutes and took their claim seriously. They looked the same area where the woman was seen and heard screaming. The police said there was no evidence the woman was there. There was no footprints found or any signs of her. The police even asked if my aunt was dreaming about everything that happened. So the next day, he went to visit the cousin, and they said had never seen her like this before. She had black bags under her eyes and had hadn't slept since the incident. I asked her what happened, and she said she saw what her aunt saw, what, like screaming woman with no feet and no face. Oh it God. took her a while to sleep normal again. She had never heard, she had never heard or saw La Llorona again. But to this day, she won't deny that she witnessed something. And then this same, same person, okay? Oh, my God. In the early 2000s, when I worked here in El Paso at a local supermarket called Big 8, one of the shifts that I worked was from 3 a.m. until 12 p.m. This store is located in the lower valley of El Paso. In the back of the store is a, once again, what is my, what's there? A ditch? A small ditch. Uh-uh. One early morning at about 4 a.m. You I, just unlocked a new fear for me. <laughs> right? They had the back doors open. No. And I was taking the empty milk crates outside the back. I was working with two other guys at the time. One of the guys, they'll call R, thought it'd be funny to close the back doors and lock me outside as a joke. When I heard the door close shut, I knew he was just messing with me. So I thought to myself, I'll stay quiet and wait for him to open the doors again. I wasn't going to give in to his joke. I stood by the door smiling and thinking to myself, he's not going to scare me. I could hear R laughing on the other side of the doors. I thought to myself, well, the joke's on him because I'm not scared. About one minute later from a distance, I heard screaming. Oh, God. And I thought to myself, it's the same screaming that I heard when I was 11 years old. No. The screaming got louder and closer to me. I felt a chill run down my spine, and I felt I was being watched by some unseen force. I felt a sense of hopelessness. I was feeling unlike anything I've ever felt before. So I started pounding on the door. I yelled, let me in. There's somebody out here. Let me in. I pounded my fist and started kicking the door. What the fuck? Let me in. I could hear R laughing on the other side of the door. I started to kick harder. The screaming was now coming from right behind me. Uh-uh. Just then, R opened the door and said, what the fuck is that? Just then, ran inside and locked the warehouse door. R said, 
why was that fam- why was that lady screaming? Did she need help? I told him, I don't think there was a lady. I told him what happened to me when I was younger. And he told me, don't you think maybe you're cursed or she is following you? Thanks. Well, now I do. Yeah. I stayed quiet when he told me that. I couldn't work my shift normally after that. It took a few more hours to get over what I had, what had happened. I admit I was scared and maybe R was right. What was she, what if she was following me? There is one more incident. Oh, my God. Same person. No. Yep. In 2015, I started working as a custodian at Cedar Grove Elementary. Behind the school is the border highway. Not a ditch. (laughs) (laughs) Then the Rio Grande. Of course, covered by a huge metal fence that separates Mexico from El Paso. I worked the night shift once again from 2.38 p.m. to 11 p.m. So not, not, not the witching hour, but still night yeah. shift. One night I was stock working with another custodian until midnight. Right when we were about to leave, we do a walkthrough of the school to make sure all the doors are locked on the outside. I worked with this custodian named, we'll call him C. He always told me he had never believed in ghosts up until that night. I can say. We walked to our cars, and just as I was about to leave, I saw that C had opened his hood on his car. He asked me, hey, can you give me a jump? My car battery is dead. told him, yes, of course. Just as I stepped out of my car, a loud screaming started coming from the Rio Grande. All of the animals in the nearby neighborhood started howling and crying. Once again, the screaming resembled a woman screaming her guts out in a hallway as it echoed over and over again. C looked at me and said, oh my god, is that a demon? <laughs> I told him, no, that is La Llorona. He looked at, right at me and says, no way, she can't be real. And I said, I've heard her before. And he's like, is that a demon? No. Like, no, no, it's, it's my girl, Maria. Oh my gosh. Um, Hurry, please, he said, let's get out of here. I gave him a jump, and just then we saw a Border Patrol Jeep speeding towards uh, the screaming woman. Just then I thought to myself, I can record this and share it with the world. I took my phone out, and just as I hit the record, the screaming faded away. Of course it did, Dana. I know. And it says, C and I looked at each other, and he said, what the fuck? I'm leaving before that evil witch comes back to get us. We both left. And the very next day, C was telling everyone at work how he heard the witch crying before. That was the very last time I encountered her. I don't think it's the last time. I feel as if she chooses who hears her and sees her. Thank you for listening. Ooh. That is creepy, Dana. Right? So, like, I'm like, do you think... After I was researching it, and with, especially with that one, I liked that one a lot. The screaming and crying aspect of it, and, like, multiple sightings from the same person. Yeah. But then it got me to think, what if that's not La Llorona for him or them? I don't know if it's a male or a female or a non-binary individual. What if it was, like, something attached to them? Right. Right. I think it was. Because it didn't just happen in, like, the normal... La Llorona spot. It was like yeah. always with them. Followed her wherever she was. Yeah, the ditch. That's the yeah. thing. Leave it by a ditch. I'm like, have fun, buddy. No. Yeah. That is scary. Yeah. yeah, it definitely was attached to her. Whatever it was. Uh, I don't like that it screamed. That's the thing. She she wails and screams. She's like looking for something. A lot of the times. One of the things I was looking at says that she can't get into heaven until she finds, like, the souls of her children. So some people say she's only going after people who were related to her to find some soul. So if that's the case, maybe that would make sense with this person. Because maybe they were, like, related to the original La Llorona. But, Mm. yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't think about that. Maybe they were Mm -hmm. related. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, because like they grew up, so being the term of the nineties to the two thousands, so it's like that goes to show maybe it's not just kids, it's the young blood. <laughs> right, right, that's true. Yeah, 
I don't know. That's it. What do you think? I loved it, Dana. You know, I love me a good spooky story. There you go. I love it. I'm glad it's still a little bit light out so I don't have to have nightmares right away. I'm going to go. I'm going to go get some snacks and some treats and some enjoy the, the, the little bit of sunlight I have left because up in the north, we we lose the sunlight a wee bit quicker than you do. So Yeah, I know. When's sunset there? Sunset here today is – sorry, let me look it up real quick. Sunset here today is at – general, please – 6.02 p.m. Okay, so you don't have that much longer. Well, better there enjoy the sun. Four. So you have like a whole like almost an hour more than me. Yes, that's so, true. Yeah, I so. love me some sun. Well, thank you guys for listening to us again. Yet another week down in the books. And many more to go. Yes, we're still trying to work out these kinks and pitfalls of podcasting. But again, and always, thank you for your support and always your kind words and thank you for being here with us sisters chatting about all things scary so please make sure to rate and review on wherever it is that you get your podcasts and know that you can find us on twitter which i was recently made aware of (laughs) i don't even know how to use twitter I mean, I'm sure it's pretty easy to use. But anyways, find us on Twitter. So don't worry. (laughs) Okay. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at ScarySistersPod and email us at ScarySistersPod at gmail.com. And if you have any suggestions, we are so open to them. Any scary stories, personal scary stories you want to share with us and would like us to share on the show in the future, We'd love to hear them. And that's it. I hope you guys have a great rest of the week ahead of you. Yes. And Dana. Thank you for letting us be in your ears. Stay safe and stay spooky. Love you. Bye. Bye.